Please bow with me as we begin with prayer. Our Father and our God, we are grateful once again for the opportunity to come together as your people, especially to remember the one who first remembered us and laid down his life as a ransom for us. We pray, O oh Lord, that we may cause our hearts to be attentive and receptive to what you would communicate to us this evening. And as we leave here, may we be desirous of applying to our lives what you have instructed us of. You speak to us again this evening, not just collectively, but most appropriately, individually, as we will again have the opportunity to examine our hearts before we partake of the emblems that remind us so vividly of what you have done for us. Bless our time in your presence. I look to you in utter dependence, anticipating, Lord, what you will do, all for your honor, your glory, and your praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Even though many of us usually attribute forgetfulness to that guy called the absent-minded professor, we have all had those occasions in our lives when we have forgotten something that was absolutely necessary for us to remember. The truth of the matter is that forgetfulness is an experience that all of us are all too familiar with. And many times we find ourselves in a dilemma because of it. In fact, even we preachers sometimes forget. That's why we get to stick to our, our notes and, uh, and try to stay on course because often myriads of thoughts are going through our minds and uh, we sometimes forget what we really intended to say. Stories told of a conversation with an old minister and a young pastor. Uh, and the old minister was advising him about the challenges that he would face in the ministry. But he was most fascinated with the challenge of the wedding ceremony. So he listened quite carefully as the old minister outlined each step he should take in that uh, procedure, in that ceremony. Uh, the wise advisor concluded by suggesting, if you ever forget what to say, just quote scripture. How many times have you heard that? Well, shortly afterwards, the young minister got the opportunity to test his newly acquired knowledge and the wisdom that was imparted to him when a young couple asked him to perform their wedding ceremony. Everything went exactly as planned until he got to the point where he was supposed to pronounce them husband and wife, and his mind went completely blank could not remember what else to say. Suddenly remember the advice of the old minister, quote scripture. So he quoted scripture, but the only scripture that came to mind that he quoted quite enthusiastically was Luke chapter 23 verse 34. which said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. You know, we all complain about having a bad memory, right? But 
fact of the matter is, we could, none of us could ever exist without the God-given ability to forget. None of us. I'm sure many of us have had memories that we really would not care to remember. And God has given us that ability. Think about it for a moment. You'd probably think of some things that happened in your life, some experiences that you've had that you really don't want to remember. You do not care to remember. It would be too, just too overwhelming for us to have to remember the accumulated experiences of the pains of the past. There have been some painful experiences in many of our lives that we don't want to remember. It would be just too overwhelming for us to have to remember the accumulated pains of the past or have to remember the intensity of all of our past failures and the trials, which would be more than many of us would even want to bear. And so one of the choice blessings that God has given us, that God has graciously bestowed upon us, is our ability to forget. So when you forget something, it's appropriate sometimes to thank God that you did not remember, especially an experience that was really bad, painful, and terrible. But like many blessings, it's a mixed one. Because the ability to forget also creates some problems for us. And even though there are times when we really need to forget, there are some ideas and some lessons and some teachings that we really, really need to remember. And so, this is where our forgetfulness creates some real problems for us. In our text this evening, God addresses the negative side of forgetfulness. Numbers chapter 15, verse 37 through 41. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of their clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. The tassels will help you to remember, will help you remember that you must obey all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you might be that I might be your God. I am the Lord your God. The Hebrew people were tremendously blessed. God had richly blessed these people in so many, many ways. But what made the blessing so unique was being invited into a special covenant relationship with God. He would be the only God that they would ever have. And they would be his people. Many people today desire to have a relationship with people who have influence and people who have power and position and prestige. Well, the Hebrew people had a tremendous opportunity to be involved, invited into a covenant relationship with God. So here's the deal that God made with them. God promised them, he would, he would, he, he promised them, promised them his continued, not hit and miss or sporadic, but his continued protection. Wouldn't you like to have that? Talk about security in an age where everybody's concerned about security. That's something good to have. Well, God promised them his continued protection in return for 
their continued obedience to the conditions that he had carefully outlined in the Ten Commandments. Now that's a good deal, don't you think? Protection for continued obedience? That doesn't seem so hard, does it? God, however, in his omniscience, knowing us as he does, knew that it would only be a matter of time before these people forgot that deal, because they've been on this road before. They'd made many commitments to God, and they forgot those commitments that they made to God. And so God knew that somewhere along the line, they would forget the deal that he had made with them. And so what God did was he ordered Moses to give them some instructions to help them out. Every now and then, God has to remind us. He has to give us some instructions to help us out. And so this is what he did. And so verse 40 says, The tassels will help you remember that you must obey all my commands and be holy to your God. Now notice, this is not a suggestion. Through Moses, God specifically commanded the Jews to make these tassels for the hems of their clothing and to attach them with a blue, he didn't just say, get some old thread and hem them. Notice he said, blue cord, or we would, we would say blue thread. Now if you look through the Old Testament, you'll see that blue is a significant color. Whenever God gave instructions, he always included that color blue. And so it's considered the heavenly color. When the priests uh, were given instructions to make the garments, blue was a part of that. So blue has become sort of a, a heavenly color. And so God says, use blue, no other color. And it was intended to speak to them of two things which suited them as children of God. Holiness and obedience. The tassels served as necessary reminders of two things. God's love for them and what God demanded from them. Fast forward to the New Testament. And we see that Jesus also knew that when he left his disciples... It would not be long before they too forgot two essential things that they should remember in order to be effective in serving him and living for him. His offer of grace and his call to discipleship. And so he gave them necessary reminders as well. These reminders are before us today and what we call the emblems on the Lord's table. They're here to, for us to share in this special meal. And like the tassels on the robes of the Hebrew people, the bread and wine reminders of our Savior. Jesus was very specific when he took the bread and wine and made this declaration. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper and saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. But the question is, what specifically do these elements of the Lord's Supper remind us of? Well, the bread and wine which symbolize the body and blood of Jesus are necessary reminders first of Jesus' life. The life that he lived on earth when he walked among men in flesh and blood, just like you and me. As a little boy was sitting down at the table to eat his dinner, his father said to him, go wash your hands. There may be some germs on them. 
So as he got up from the table and mumbled and grumbled and reluctantly went to the bathroom, he mumbled, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus. That's all you hear around here. You can't see either one of them. Well, because we don't ever see Jesus in flesh and blood on a day-to-day basis, it's easy to forget his claim on our lives. As they say, out of sight, out of mind. That has become a daily part of our mental experience. If we don't see someone for, someone for a while, there's a tendency to forget about them. And that's the way it is sometimes for us with the Lord Jesus Christ. These elements serve as necessary reminders about who Jesus Christ really was. They remind us that he was a real flesh and blood person, just like us. They remind us that he lived a real life. This is not a myth or fable or a legend. It reminds us that, that he lived in a, in a real place. We can, we can visit those places where he walked and ministered and, and lived and, and fellowshiped. It also reminds us that it's a, it was a, a real time in history. They remind us of his life. The life that he lived when he walked among us. But the symbolism goes even deeper than that. As we partake of these emblems, the bread and the cup, the wine, we're actually symbolizing the fact that this Jesus who once lived is now living within us. He's living, he's residing within us. And this truth is, is, is what Jesus specifically expressed in the closing hours of his physical life on earth as he walked among men. In John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus said, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. But notice, Paul explained this truth as well when he wrote the Galatian believers. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Where does Christ live? In me. He lives in you and in me. So I live this earthly, I, I, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul also explained this truth, that this truth is experienced by every single be- believer in every single age. When he says in, first, in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so this is the eventual outcome of the life of Christ, which these communion elements symbolize, that we partake of whenever we come before the Lord's table. But the bread and wine also are necessary reminders of something else. Of Jesus' love. Jesus didn't just live on earth. He also died on earth. And the Bible says he died for you and for me. For each of us. And we are reminded so often that even if there was just one single sinner in all the world, Jesus Christ would still have come and died on the cross. We all understand John's statement in John 15, 13 when he says, Greater love has no man than this. That, um, that one lay down his life for his friends. But Jesus' love 
went even deeper than that. It caused him to lay down his life also for his enemies as well. And so in this day of casual Christianity, we need to be constantly reminded of how costly a price Jesus paid as a result of the love that he had for us. A request was made of D.L. Moody while he was preaching at a crusade in England. And the request was to visit a man who had been an invalid for many, many years. He had been what we might call today a shut-in. Wasn't able to go out. And as Moody entered the man's house, he expected to find a depressed man who lived in, under the gloom and doom of his handicap. Instead, what he found was a man who was vibrant and full of life. After a long, long visit with this man, Moody asked him, Don't you ever get discouraged having to just lie here like this day in and day out, week after week and month after month and year after year? Yes, the man replied, I get discouraged. Discouraged descends upon me when the devil comes in, walks over to my bed, and whispers in my ear, Does God really love you, letting you suffer like this? Whenever that happens, the man continued, I just grab old Satan by the neck and drag him over to the foot of the cross and make him look at Jesus dying for my sins and ask him, Doesn't he love me? That's how much he loves us. But notice verse 39. It says, when you see the tassels, you will remember and obey the commands of the Lord. Instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. This was the reality in the lives of the children of Israel. The tassels were necessary reminders to the people not to seek out their own lustful desires, but to seek out the Lord instead. Idol worship was self-centered because it, its primary focus was on what a person could get from serving idols. It was expected that the gods or the idols would provide good luck, prosperity, long life, success in battle, prestige and power. They expected the gods to provide all of these things for them. And that's the reason why they served them. But the scripture reminds us, Deuteronomy 4.23, it says, So be careful not to break the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. Do not make idols of any shape or form, for the Lord your God has forbidden this. And in Deuteronomy 6 and 12 we read, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. But notice verse 40 of Numbers 15. It says, the tassels will help you to remember that you must obey all my commandments. We are quite selective when it comes to obeying what God has instructed us to obey. We, we, we treat them as if it's a all-you-can-eat. It's a smorgasbord where you pick, choose, and refuse. The scripture tells us that we must obey all the commands and be holy to your God. And so worshiping God is not just, 
worshiping God is just the opposite of worshiping idols. Because believers are selfless rather than self-centered. Believers serve God instead of expecting God to serve us. Believers expect nothing in return for serving God. And believers serve God for who he is. Not necessarily for what we can get from him. But this is what people did when they served the idols. They expected the idols to serve them. In Romans 12 and 1 we are reminded, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And in Colossians 1.22 we read, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's how God sees us. Before him without a single fault. Because he sees us through the perfection and the righteousness and holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so here we have before us the symbols that represent the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. A body which was broken and blood which was shared for you and for me. They are necessary reminders for us of Jesus' life and Jesus' love. We are, advise you today, this evening, to take a few moments, examine our hearts, prepare our hearts to partake of these elements with the caution that we are given in Scripture. Colossians 11, 27, 20, 20 29. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread, and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Let's pause, bow, as we reflect and prepare our hearts for the emblems. May the Lord bless us as we do so.